Ah, yeah. It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Jean-Pierre L.E., Izzy Alcafas, and Akash Patel. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the DTC Podcast, a show dedicated to dynasty fantasy football players and, I'm sorry, trades and player values. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over. No. That was so good. Should I keep it? It's okay. He fumbled so a little good. bit. I fumbled it like Josh Allen on the one-yard line. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like that was intentional now, right? Mm-hmm. He kind of bobbled it and then fumbled it. Yeah, he did. By the way, it is week 10, a.k.a. Justin Jefferson highlight week. Mm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my good! I, oh my goodness! We almost have like we've got some topics to talk about this week, but we should probably maybe throw him in there at some point just to kind of like honor his name or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Bow down. By the way, I'm your host JP Hurley. Joining me, my co-host Izzy, the Pharaoh Fantasy Elkafoss, and Akash Patel. What's going on, you guys? How you doing this week? We're up. Yes, sir. Uh, it's good. I mean, we had we had two two weeks off in a row. Oh, we never did right. publish last week, huh? I thought we had well, one, a really good one, actually. We did, but uh, it was okay. I had a... Um, we had half of it. I had a uh, recording. I had a um, mishap. What do you, what do you call oh, that a mishap? No. We fumbled. It was not, it was not <laughs> a, it was not a user me. error. This was basically, I crossed the goal line, but the goal line technology was not working. That would be the equivalent. Oh, no. Okay. So it was definitely a so touchdown. It was, it was definitely a touchdown, but... They called it not a touchdown on the field, and then we couldn't review it because the goal line technology was down. But I definitely crossed the point. Mm. In the last few years, we've had maybe two or three podcasts that have hit the cutting room floor, mostly because of technical issues. I remember it was like the the second or third ever episode we lost, and we were devastated because we felt like it was a, a home run. And honestly, last week was pretty good. I thought the, I thought the content was good. We might almost have to circle back a little bit and uh, just kind of like maybe briefly touch on what we talked about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys remember what we talked about? It was like, uh, it's it was all about the trades. Yeah. Shoot. That was a good one. Dang it. Actual mm-hmm. content to cover. And we, we lost it. She gone. Right. She gone like, you know, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was surprising. I did not expect that. I mean, it's not like he's special, right? But he's not special, but he's a guy who was, uh, had solid production filling in, so it's a bit of a surprise. Are we are we yep. going to talk about Justin Fields today? We're going to talk about Justin Fields. We're going to talk about everyone. We got him in the er, spike er, week. Everyone, everyone. Okay. We got him in the spike week segment. But yeah, just uh, closing off the Benjamin talk in honor of Riley Biomaster from the DTC Fantasy Football League chat. He no longer works here. <laughs> I like that. Naga, yeah, but... Naga, Naga worker. <laughs> I I think um. He was fired by Twitter, like everybody else. Oh, okay. Mm. I know the feeling. But if you were just rostering Eno Benjamin, I'd keep holding on to him because he can definitely latch on somewhere and continue to be a solid backup. And for the Arizona backfield, Jonathan Ward's coming off of IR. He's more of a special teamer. And um, the running back to own to roster behind James Conner, you're looking at Keonta Ingram, who had a solid profile coming out of college he was a six-round pick i believe base competency in the rushing game and receiving game he can do all right filling in if connor was to miss more time as he's done throughout his career and even earlier in the season so he's probably rostered already just because he was relatively popular in rookie drafts but if he's not rostered he was dropped because he wasn't getting much run behind benjamin when connor was down then you can go scoop him up and 
he's a great guy to just continue to stash as you stash many other backup running backs. There it is. Kind of like the preview for the podcast here. So um, we're going to start with like injuries. We also got, we want to talk about spike weeks. And there is also a topic for dive weeks, kind of like the converse subject of spike week. Um, I'm going to start with injuries, though. So Cooper Cup, I think, was the most significant. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's going to be out of the cup for a few weeks, it looks like, with a, a high ankle sprain. That's unfortunate. Um, he was definitely leading the charge on my SFB team. So I, I'm going to take a salty pill on that one. Um, Ooh, that's tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think uh, that'll take me out of contention a little bit. But what do you, what do you guys think uh, this could become for other guys on the team? Who do you lean on now that Cup is out? No one, really. I mean, that's yeah. kind of your entire passing attack just falling apart. Allen Robinson's been nothing special. He's not going to magically turn into someone earning more targets to a level that you feel confident in starting. He might have to, though, right? I mean, who else Who else is there? Higby, it looks like Higby's production picked up, but who knows without Stafford in there. Yeah, Higby's going to be a startable tight end, I guess, you know, but by and large, it's just going to be the floor falls lower for an already down passing offense where Stafford has not been productive all year. Um, I'm checking right now, but I believe, yeah, right now Stafford has 12 points per game on the season. And so in your super flex spot where you're starting him, he's pretty much giving you wide receiver three production, very replaceable, and it's just getting worse for him without Cooper Cup. And so this offense just becomes very gross and already was something that was going down there what three and six it's not good. three and seven or something yeah it's just bad all around and then you lose the only thing that makes your offense work your run game's not working it's just an offense that i want very little to do with right now because they're not going to have many startable pieces henderson he's like an rb3 acres isn't startable higby's barely startable because tight ends a wasteland and that's pretty much it izzy what's going on with your boy stafford lately man like obviously he's out but uh it's it's not it's not him it's the uh the old offensive line uh it's been brutal and his one go-to is cut like when he's targeting cup it's it's pure right but everybody else not so much so he's obviously had a pretty good connection with cup gets the ball quick when he's got time he makes the right throws but when you don't have when you have a quarterback that is not going to be able to keep plays alive or manufacture plays on the ground like Stafford is not able to. You can't have a line that bad um, and expect results. So it's not like he overnight went to shit, but at the same time, there's really no light at the end of the tunnel. They The Rams have, they're in cap hell. They have very few draft picks. I don't see how this turns around over the next couple of years. Stafford's probably going to have to get moved. Um, it's as long as they have to blow the whole thing up there. So, dang man, you're talking like a full tear down rebuild here. Is it that bad? That's probably the best move. I think the Rams, if they were smart, would do a full tear down. They have the assets to be able to recoup some of their draft capital and kind of restart fresh. But there's no salvaging this over the next couple of years. I don't think recouper um, some of their and to think hmm. this was a team. This is outside of dynasty. This was a team that two, three weeks ago, was fully prepared to give up two future firsts and a second rounder for Brian Burns. Like, just imagine, I can't believe the Panthers declined that deal for a team that's looking like they're about to enter a total rebuild. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl, that's nice. 
I'm very mad they won the Super Bowl because the process to which they got that Super Bowl and just they bought it's like it, that yeah. win now team in your dynasty league where they just sell all their picks and you're like, well, it's not sustainable, but I guess you have like instead of like a eight percent chance to win your championship, now you have like a fifteen percent chance. And it's like, yeah, good job, you hit on that, but for sure, uh, now it's all going to shit for sure. Uh, so it's kind of tough with with um with Stafford, but uh, I, I think the big winner actually is Higby. So I think Higby is the guy that is going to get <laughs> big winner. Yeah, I mean if if there is such a thing, but I, I think Higby now right. will be is a pretty he's a starter. You start him every week, uh, and I think the wide receiver two in that offense isn't going to be a Robert Jefferson. I think it's probably going to be Skoranek. Is <laughs> as weird as it is, he's probably the best out of the remaining players at getting open as quickly as possible. Um, cause that's not a Rob's game. A Rob is basically now a contested catch player in Ben Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever going to be a hundred percent healthy from his injury. So he's still got a recovery period, but Higby's an every week starter at this point. And I expect him to kind of, he, he should probably see eight plus targets per game at a minimum moving forward. Yeah. That kind of looks like what was happening too. Yeah. Yeah. And because he's Tyler Higby, he's going to turn that into 35 yards per game and be a low yeah, tight end. Well, one. I mean, I think that's a floor. <laughs> I think the eight targets is probably a floor in yeah. most. I mostly am jesting, yeah. but it is something where it's a very gross offense. And Higby will is pretty much the only startable guy right now, except for the zero RB teams that I have that are starting Daryl Henderson every week. Yeah, but he's a, he's a tight end one. I think he's a top 10. He's probably a top eight tight end, top maybe even top six tight end the rest of the way. Do you guys see more maybe targets out of the backfield to Akers and Henderson p- potentially? Mm, I don't know. I mean, a little bit. Um, partly to Kyron Williams, who took a lot of the um, a lot of the passing role over the weekend. He did a lot of the two minute drill, garbage time. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily yeah. throughout the course of the game. It just kind of happened in the fourth quarter. Um, last yes. couple drive type thing. So. I don't know. I, it's, Absolutely. It, he he had a lot of the two-minute drill, and then on third downs, it was mostly all Daryl Henderson. And so Henderson's the guy um, who's getting the majority of the snaps and the third down. So I would I would feel good with him being like uh, an RB3 right now. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Kyron's just a guy to keep watching, and Akers is pretty much dead. He had the third. He, had, he was third in snaps among those running backs, yeah. which is absolutely gross another relatively big injury especially if you're in tight end premium leagues was zach Ertz. well let's, oh, hold season. on let's talk what? about let's talk about cup for a second in dynasty okay. um yeah because here's the thing what's going to happen is now cooper cup if it's kind of like if somebody lost tyreek hill this season or justin jefferson you can't go out and trade and replace for that production so the mistake people are going to make is they think their team is a lot better than it is when they have a guy like Cooper Cup that's probably getting them maybe 18 to 20% of their weekly points is now gone. You can't just replace that overnight. Yeah, and so the the way that I want to frame this is, remember over the offseason we're talking about wins above replacement that a player offers? I think Cooper Cup last year had 3.26 wins above replacement. It depends on formats, but two and a half to three wins above replacement depending on how many guys you're starting, et cetera. Um, and so when you take that away and you're just throwing some wide receiver three or four in there, like you're throwing Corey Davis in there, you're losing like 
two to three wins from that. So if you have a team that's how how many weeks have we played now? If your if your team's like six and four or seven and three, you're looking at a team that's like five hundred. And so treat your team like it's five hundred now um, without Cooper Cup if you lost them. Yeah, and then then now what his value in in dynasty takes a pretty massive hit because he's going to be the big three zero next year too. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of riding the wave uh, over the last you know year or two in terms of value, and now he takes a yeah. he takes a pretty big hit where you're not going to be able to recover that. So now he's a officially a depreciating asset. Um, there's no more kind of plateau for him. And now we see like a steady decline and we'll see what ends up happening with him. But he, he's pretty much shelved for the rest of the season. Cause even when he comes back, I don't expect him to come back and pick up where he left off. Like these high ankle sprains or these significant ankle injuries are not something that just go away in one season. I mean, Michael Thomas yeah. bounced right back from his. True. Just kidding. True. It was beautiful. <laughs> he I bounced right back into a toe injury. I think three years later, he's still kind of hindered by his high ankle sprain from 1997. <laughs> yeah. What rounds would you guys draft Cooper Cup right now in a startup? If you're doing a midseason startup, like where would you value him if you're trying to mm, sell him? Uh, so I, you don't don't don't, don't look at don't look at it from that fourth or fifth. Look round. at it from around the other receivers. So let me ask you guys a question: Who would you rather have right now, Cup mm. or Debo? Um. Yeah. Ugh. That's tough because Debo's usage and production has also been very down. This yeah, season. Debo's like 26. 13, 14 no points per game. Chicken. Well, he's 26. Cup is going to be 30 next year. He'll be 27. He'll be 27. Yeah, so it's 29. a three-year three year difference. Yeah. I mean, the difference between Cup and Debo, um, at least if we're looking from what I think the market's going to do, is they look at the higher potential for difference-making for Cup, and he can be valued around where Devontae is right now in like the fourth third late third or fourth round yeah, of startup. I think that's fair. whereas Debo, if he's twenty seven and only giving you wide receiver two, wide receiver three production, yep. Uh it, you're looking at more of a Terry McLaurin situation where it's it was special for a little bit and that was twenty twenty. Um that was twenty twenty one. But now you're looking at a guy who and I think the market is gonna be more reactionary to Debo because he kind of came out of nowhere and people say, okay, maybe it was more of a fluke. And it definitely had uh, signs of a fluke where he had a very high production over expectation. And so I, what I think the reaction to Debo's season is going to be, if he doesn't like completely blow up for the rest of the season, is going to be him dropping more, like I said, to like where Terry McLaurin is valued right now. And then you're looking at like a sixth or seventh startup round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Izzy, keep going down the line, though. I like this is a fun game. So um, Debo, would you, Debo let's, let's ask uh, Devonta, Devonta Adams. You mean Cup or Devonta? Yeah, Cup or Devonta Adams. Devonta, yeah, that seemed like they're the same, but you get the extra several games with Devonta. Yeah, Devonta, and Devonta is not even thirty. I in my head, I think he's thirty, but he's yeah, not. He, I mean he's yeah. he's thirty. I mean he's thirty next month. Um, what about? Yeah, but they'll both be thirty at the beginning of next season. Yes. What about? Um. DK Metcalf. I go DK. Yeah, lean DK. What about Godwin? Mm, that's close. Mm-hmm. Isn't Godwin like 27? He's 20. He's, t- he's 26. 26. 26. Yeah. He'll be 27 in February. Okay. Mm, I, I'm going Cup over Godwin. Because Godwin to me is similar to Debo, and it's like, I, 
I can't predict the future for Godwin either. Who knows what the hell's going to happen with Tom Brady? Um, and it's it's old enough for me to like it's close enough to Cup's age where I'd be I'd be fine just uh, sticking with Cup and letting him rot on my team. Cash, I'm gonna lean Godwin just because uh, he has a good history of production, and the production being down this year is probably a function of his injury. And obviously, you're not gonna be 100 percent after the ACL tear. But I think next year, once he's obviously another year removed from tearing his ACL, I think he can get back into the conversation of being top 18 or top 12 wide receiver. And maybe you lose Brady, but um, you'll still have Evans and Godwin. And I think there's still going to be a team that has more of a mentality of passing volume. And so then like they had with the uh, Jameis Winston before they, sh- before they got Brady. And so I think you could still see Godwin give you some very valuable production, whereas Cup's value is going down quite a bit because of this. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. But that is tough. I think that's an appropriate range for where Cup's going to settle. Yeah. Okay. What's next, Hurley? Uh, next one, another relatively significant injury in Zach Ertz suffering a season-ending injury. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people are leaning on him significantly for a ton of point volume for this this season. We want to talk about maybe navigating around what this means for the players around him and some guys that you might be able to pick up. Akash, I think you had some pretty <laughs> um, stringent points of view on on Trey McBride. So why don't you take it away? I mi- I thought you were for sure going to hit on the um, play on words there because Zach hurts. Zach hurts. Uh, okay. That's a low blow. Mm-hmm. He was the he but was the I tight think- end three. I mean, you make it seem like he wasn't that good um yeah he was all right it definitely hurts like you you lose earths in top five production then you go plug in no fat you're gonna lose a little bit but i don't think you're losing anything significant like you're maybe losing like you're losing less than like one win above replacement and so you're not dead in the water yeah 11.5 points per game i have met tight end five for average um yeah he is so uh, yeah, know, I'm I'm hurts, looking at but... non-premium. So if you're talking about premium, yeah, you probably lose a little bit there, or you he probably goes down a little bit. Premium is going to be look. You're looking at what 13, 14 points per game. Yeah, but he's. I think he was saying he's tight on five in premium, and non-premium he's tight on three. Yeah, uh, it's the same range. I mean, it's I mean, still. Yeah, I, I, so he's doing maybe maybe it's more about the position than it is about Zach Ertz. But right. like he's only yeah. he averages a couple more points a week than like the tight end 13, 14, like, you know, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. So it's just like, you, yeah. you're right. And that's what he, he is saying. having a better season than I thought. But yeah. Yeah, you can you can navigate around this if you're making trades and you're like, OK, I lost Ertz. Like you were making a trade and then you can just add like an Everett or a Hurst or something like that just to fill the slot. Yeah. And get some touchdown potential. That's that's viable. Um, The biggest impact from this is going to be Trey McBride, who was drafted in the second round, had a very high, very, had very high production in college. He ran a four five six at a pro day. So that's four six one if you do the adjustment. And that's all looking really great. Like he checks a lot of boxes for what we look for in tight ends where you have athleticism. His RAS was lower than his speed was in terms of percentile. Um, but you're still looking at a guy with athleticism. You're looking at a for guy For the with... people that don't know what RAS is, can you explain that? <laughs> yes, relative athletic score. So it's athletic. It's um, looking at all the 
like every player drafted and undrafted over the last I don't even know how far back it goes, but it definitely goes back more than 20 years. And it's just looking at their athleticism in different testing metrics relative to other guys at their positions. And at tight end, we're looking for sort of like an eight plus in the relative athletic score. And I believe McBride falls short of that, even though he does check the box for what we're looking for in speed, which is generally you're looking for below four, seven type of guys. Those are the guys who are posting the, the top 12, the top five seasons. And so McBride um, definitely checks some boxes. And so for him, he's going to be shooting up, obviously, because he's going to be running a lot more routes with Zach Ertz being hurt. And in a position, and I say this whenever we have some tight ends making noise, at a position where there's so little in terms of young upside and young production, you're looking at a guy who should be valued inside the top 12 tight ends already. And so I'd be, I would be very aggressive. Uh, you're not going to be exactly buying high on him right now. Um, and you can if you want, but I would just um, be very aggressive in what I think about Trey McBride just because he presents a lot of upside and he does check a lot of boxes. There you go. Izzy, any opinions there? Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's fair. You can't really go after him now after the news. Um, no. Yeah, because be yeah, it's going to be harder to pry him away. Now, if you do, mm-hmm. you won't have to give up a first for him. You still probably have to give up a no. second for him. But if you feel like he does have first round upside, and I think he does, you can justify paying a second yeah. for him. Uh, I'd pay a second for him. What we have to also be cognizant of is like, <laughs> it's so hard to find a first round tight end. Um, in terms of first round value in tight end in the tight end position, and the way that. Um, Dulcich is looking the way that even Kate Otten, um, the fact that he's a tight end one now, we've seen, you know, Daniel Bellinger when he's healthy, he's looked pretty decent. They're not all going to be good, right? Just based on the no, odds. But so there's going to be maybe one or, one or two in, of them uh, are going to be good. And we don't know which ones those are. We, we think we I do. would lean towards the ones with draft well, capital. Athleticism. I mean, we, like, we do that a lot. Bellinger was drafted in the fourth round. Otten was what? Fourth rounder. And then the second Cameron break comes back on and goes back to being a backup. And so, you know, this happens with rookie tight ends. It's going to be sometimes tougher to get on the field. He'll so. be the odd man out, right? Yeah, but tight ends in general don't really have a correlation between their draft capital and their fantasy success. Like, there's definitely hit rates there, though. But it's um, not. I know there's sometimes sticky. guys where it's like Kittle in the fifth round. Even, even wasn't Mark Andrews in the was he? Fourth, he was third. third, fourth. Yes, third? he was third. Okay. Um, Kelsey was third. Ertz was second. Um, Hawk was first. Like Graham was second. Hawk was Dallas first. Goddard was, was uh, Goddard second. second. Um, yes. And then you have the Fryermuth in the second. Like if you're if we're looking at like rankings, you have Andrews third, Pitts first, Kelsey third, Hawkinson first, Goddard second, Kittle fifth, Fryermuth second. Okay. Dulcich third, and that's just going down like dynasty rankings. And so it seems like it's less sticky because we see so few difference making tight ends that outliers tend to stick out more because when you have a smaller sample, you introduce more variance. And so like one out of say five top tight ends in the NFL looks more significant than like five out of 25 receivers being late rounders. Yeah, but those fourth rounders 
I mean, I wouldn't bury them because they're fourth rounders, right? And I wouldn't say no, like I would hey, not bury them. I, I wouldn't say, hey, because Kate Otten was drafted in the fourth. Yeah, sure. If you if you're if we're splitting hairs on odds, then yeah, of course. The second rounder has a better chance of success than the fourth Absolutely. rounder. But we it's it's probably gonna be one or two of these guys long term that has a chance of actually being good. We just don't know which ones they are, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I would definitely feel um Absolutely fine betting on McBride. Like I said, he checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, I agree. I have a lot of McBride. I- I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. And then also Dulcich, who is just off to a good start to his career. And then yeah, yeah, lower you have Bellinger and Auden, who uh, they fill in for the weeks that they need to. But I don't think their teams are going to see them as franchise tight ends. Um, and it is hard for teams to view guys as franchise tight ends. Um, but it is something where yeah, second rounder athleticism, college dominance. Mm-hmm. Very sad for Trey McBride. Yeah, absolutely. Curly, what's up? What's next? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about spike weeks. Dynasty spike weeks. I like this. The first one on the agenda is Christian Watson. Aaron Rodgers was Aaron it out. Mm. Question mark. Mm. Um, the Christian Watson, it what seemed to be all day long. And I think they actually connected in a couple. Finally, it seemed like uh, the chemistry is finally starting to come around a little bit. Christian Watson stepping up. What do you guys think about uh, Watson's value going forward? Yeah, I, I find it interesting because he went from basically non-existent in terms of his snap share to 84, 85%, I think it was. And there's a direct correlation between that and Romeo Dobbs being hurt. So um dubs dobs however you want to call them it's more fun to say dubs yeah so i can't really figure out which one it actually is consensus wise so should we go with dubs or but now dubs? he's hurt so it doesn't yeah matter. he's hurt um but <laughs> so yeah there's a direct correlation between his production or his snaps at least and production to romeo being out let's call him romeo <laughs> or out there romeo 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 <laughs> wherefore out there romeo uh so here's the thing with with Watson he's he's like at this point he's Chris Henry style the coach might be a little too young for Chris Henry but um you're gonna get these yes. yeah you're basically just hoping for these long splash plays every single week which I think is okay when we talk about fantasy because if you're throwing Christian Watson into your flex and you just want to try to hit a splash play then the variance is okay to handle that but you just don't want Gabe Davis was right there. Yeah, 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 I could, yeah. There, that's probably a pretty good example, like a Gabe Davis type. Uh, and obviously, he's tethered to Aaron Rodgers. However, he's not tethered tethered to Aaron Rodgers Rodgers forever, and he doesn't have great hands. I mean, it, the drops are unbelievable. <laughs> he's basically a taller Troy Williamson at this point. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Ouch. So, yeah. if taller John Ross, taller John Ross, yeah. So, I, I would, I would look at Christian Watson as somebody that I would. I like the fact that he's tethered to Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think it's long term. So I don't put too much value in it. I would not be opposed to moving him off of the mark at this point. Not a bad idea, just riding the wave and kind of capitalizing no, I, on some of that spike yeah. value you were saying. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd look at moving him if I could. You basically acquired Christian Watson for a late first. If I could get that late first back, I would do that. Well, especially in this upcoming really, draft, this I performance. Think that's a- that's an upgrade, right? Yeah, even yeah, honestly, I even if it's a even if draft. it's a mid even if it's a 24 first, I would probably That's an easy smash. I would probably take the 24 first over uh no, because time value of money matters. 
Yeah, but I would pay the whole tax for a guy who's not going to give me difference making production. Well, but the, the, like, the, that's something that's where... what we assume, though. We assume he's not going to. He still could. Like the, the, it's in he the range of outcome. Will. Most likely is not going to. Um, You're probably not going to see a top twelve season for him, and then. Even if you see something like that next season, you're looking at a 24 first next season the way that we're looking at 23 first right now. Yeah. And even we're looking at 24 first in January the way we're looking at 23 first right now. Yeah. Be very aggressive with targeting them. And so with Watson, I don't think that it's going to get up to the level where you can sell for that just because people they definitely value picks very highly. Oh, somebody, somebody, will, somebody will pay a future first for Christian Watson after this performance, 100%. Old dynasty players will do that. I don't think new new dynasty players would do that. I would say old and and novice will do it. <laughs> That's very specific. Yes, maybe. It's just like the guys that are old that don't. Yeah, and but not. I think the guys that have experience that aren't geezers won't. The people that yeah the the older the older dynasty mentality is that you're looking at future firsts the way that uh as just a a younger player, um idea and so your thinking is like okay i can either get this a younger player in two years or one and a half years or i can get christian watson right now who just did this a newer mentality is like looking at a pick at a at a as a thing that has guaranteed a gain value and so it's great if you like gaining value and it's also something where you have a higher chance for a difference making asset where if you have a 24 first and you expect it to be a base 24 first you have a high upside of getting a pick between the 101 and like the 106 where you have a great chance of getting an elite quarterback or an elite running back and that's far more valuable yeah. than wide receivers are and the difference between the 112 and the 106 is a lot smaller than the 101 and the 106 and so for sure so when you're looking at the upside there i think the mentality for 24 first and just first rounds in general to have um is that they are more valuable than I think people who play Dynasty for a longer time think just because they, they view it as another young player. Yeah, uh, and I will say, like even if you can't get a first-round pick for Christian Watson now, he's not going to go away unless he gets hurt. So I think Romeo is still out. No. So next week, he's going tar- to get peppered with targets down the field. And he just needs he, to, he just needs here. to catch one or two of those to stay relevant. And then if people are still doubting him now, I still expect Christian Watson to have some relevancy, maybe even the rest of the season. I'm not a harm, but I just don't trust his long term, just capacity for for relevancy. So, um, and when I say relevancy, I, I'm I'm talking what we expect to get out of our first round picks on a consistent basis. Yeah, and so for Watson, I think that I would be fine with riding him out because there is going to be ups and downs with his role where he is getting a lot of deep targets but they they will result in some big plays as and some points obviously as we've seen in this past week Mm -hmm. and so when you're looking at him people don't need to see a lot from a rookie to be impressed and so if we can look at a guy and this is the way i'm going to put this is a little skewed because he did miss some time at the beginning of the season and took a little bit a little bit of time but if rest of the season we can see like the yards per game and like the targets per game that would that you would see if a rookie was to have 700 to 900 yards i think people would be absolutely fine with that and they'd still value him around like a late first and so i don't think i, I don't think i would sell right now just because i think the value installation rest of the season is going to be absolutely fine with him and you could be looking at a even an increase if he just yeah. continues to uh 
be great for the rest of the season, which I don't expect, but it, it is certainly possible. So, the beautiful part about Christian Watson is that the people that would pay a first round pick for him in 2024 are the people that are bad in your league, anyways. So that is true. So yes. when you trade a when you trade Watson for a 24 first, you just got to target the people that have bad rosters now, because they're gonna yeah. they're gonna trade they're gonna chase yeah too. they're gonna chase the Christian Watson types because the people that have consistently bad rosters get there for a reason. And it's yeah. usually making bad decisions and making decisions that are impulsive and chasing the what happened most recent as opposed to what's likely to happen moving forward. So there's a really good opportunity here, I think, if you stay patient. Yeah, I agree with that. Hurley, what's what's next? Next one up is now this guy, if he were a running back, would be the running back six on the season. No, no, this is just for rushing yards. If you were running back, he'd be the running back two in the last four weeks. But does he catch passes? No. No. <laughs> Not good for PPR. <laughs> but very good for your super flex fantasy, dynasty, fantasy leagues. Justin Fields is on absolute fire. Is this sustainable? Is this uh He's averaging, what, 45 points a week in the last two. He's had more than 20 in the last five. This is wild. Do, do you guys think this is sustainable, or do you guys are you guys um kind of like Christian Watson type of thing? Are you believing it's a flash in the pan? You might want to move up. <laughs> it is not sustainable to the tune of 150 rush yards every single game, but <sighs> it is sustainable to look at a player who is going to be a top eight quarterback with his rushing volume and is he, he does all right through the air. It's low volume. Uh, not amazing efficiency, but um, but then he just continues to give you. Off the top of my head, I'm not exactly sure, but I would guess it's in the range of like eight to ten points per game on the ground, which is absolutely fantastic. And then I think it's much more that, than that. Actually, way more than that. that. Yeah, more than that. Yeah, because yeah, okay, Hurley just I'm said wrong. he'd be the QB six on or RB six on the season. Yeah, I mean, I can. So if he'd be the RB six on the season, how many points per game is that, Hurley? You guys are making me do math. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's not easy. Like these yeah. leagues, you can't just uh, divide that out. Seven point seven point five from rush yards, and then touchdowns. He's got six of them, right? Yes, six. So that's and so thirty six divided by ten. So three points. So he's getting you eleven point one points 10, per game. Points. Yeah, eleven point one points per game on the ground. That's wild. Yeah, and then yeah, eleven point one, and so okay. At the end of the season, you're probably going to be looking at eight to eight to ten. I believe the record over the last um, few years was Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. in 2019 with ten ish. Uh, Michael Vick did a similar thing back in his prime. Just uh, Jalen Hurts had nine point seven, I believe, nine point two, something around that. And then when you're looking at his level of passing, it is very similar to Jalen Hurts in twenty uh in twenty twenty one. And you're you're gonna be looking at a guy who's gonna finish inside the top eight quarterbacks. And that's me being a little bit conservative because right now, even with his slow start to the season, he is the QB six in points per game. QB scoring is down this year. And so for Justin Fields, where you where you have the first round draft capital, you have elite um you have elite rushing. You have elite passing in college. It has not been that level in the NFL. Um, but when you have all of that together, 
I would place him in the first round of dynasty startups. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about him too is he's had one game over 200 yards passing, and he didn't even finish as mm-hmm. a QB one in that week. Um, and then since then, he's had five games where he hasn't cleared 200 yards passing, and he's been a QB eight or better in every single one of those weeks. And it's he lives; he's going to live and die with the rushing. I mean, we, we know that. So if he goes out and gets you 50, 60 yards, he's going to finish as a QB low end QB two. Most likely. And you're just going to have to take the ups and downs. Obviously, we're riding a pretty massive wave. He plays Atlanta next week. No offense, Akash, but that should be another bang week for him. Um, I hope so. And then and then it's going to get – he's going to have some tough sledding. He's going to go up against the Jets, Green Bay. He's got his bye. And then he's got Philly, Buffalo. Um, so next week at, at Atlanta, I think he peaks. And then I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him struggle over the next handful of weeks. But – I don't know. I, I think he's le- I think he's legitimate, and all he needs really is for a competent staff to figure out a way to provide him with opportunities inside of the pocket. Yeah, as well as yeah, getting some weapons will absolutely help him. And then I think you have a very safe floor. Um, in I was gonna say in real life, but as well as in dynasty, just from what people think about him. Uh, but in real life you also have a safe floor because of what he contributes in the rushing game. Like you, you said it yourself, you have a guy who's only hit 200 yards passing in one game this season, but he's changing the game every single week with just blowing the entire run game wide open. He's rushing, he's breaking off massive runs for touchdowns. He's uh, there. I believe they're a top rushing offense in the NFL. And so you're looking at a player who is going to be very very safe in his in his job and um the the entire narrative around him is okay get him some weapons and you're you're gonna get better passing and i think that's a very realist that's i think that's very reasonable even if it's uh he might not turn into a hall of fame passer like uh like a josh allen like uh has been like over the last like couple seasons the way that he suddenly turned from uh uh, like a bottom of the league passer into an elite passer overnight, you, you're probably not going to see something like that, even if you get filled some weapons. But you are going to be looking at a guy who will be in like the same conversation as players like like Jalen Hurts was over this offseason with a, like no concerns about his job security. And that's a first round startup pick. I'm not. I was going to say I put him in like the Kyler Lamar tier, but I'm not because we have not seen elite passing. From feels like we've seen from Lamar and Kyler at times. Not yet, but I mean, like, do you think he'll be he'll follow in the path of Hertz, where he'll develop that skill over time, or do you think it's kind of like that's not possible for him? Hertz has been a good passer this season, and he was also in his second year. His efficiency metrics, pretty much across the board, like PFF passing grade, uh, expected points added per play. Um, yards per attempt, all of that. He was better in his second season than Fields is so far in his second season. And so you're really leaning heavily on the college profile from Justin Fields to say that he has an elite passing ceiling. And he definitely has that ceiling. Whether he hits that ceiling, I think it's a pretty low chance that he turns into like a top five passer. But he can definitely be serviceable and obviously offers so much on the ground that he's gonna, you're going to be able to run a good NFL offense with him. Yeah. So let's play a game. You guys want to play a game? 
Uh, we have sounds a few like minutes. Saw. I think it's we missed Halloween by a, a little bit mu- too much. A couple yeah. weeks here, right? Yeah, yeah. So you you do want to play a game? Sounds like yeah, we want to um, play a game. I love playing games. So let's let's play a. Who would you rather have? I love this. Game. Who would you rather have, boys? Would should you we start? Yep. Should I start high or low? Good. Start, start low. low. Uh, who would you, who would he's you, a riser? So start low and see how much he's risen. Who would you rather have? I'll start with an easy one, I think. Dak Prescott or Justin Fields? Fields. Hurley? Easy. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's like I I, I don't want to have to say that, but I, I will. Okay. Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Fields. Easily Fields. Hurley? Yeah. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Trevor Lawrence, um, but it's Justin Fields. Tua or Justin Fields? Fields. Yeah, I think I think Tua's Tua's comeback is pretty undeniable from that concussion. I, I, that's a lot harder for me. I can't answer as quickly as Akash has. Um, I just love rushing. You know me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua. Um, Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson? Fields. I'll go Fields. I, I don't trust Watson. Mm, it's Watson. I, I trust it's Watson, Watson as much easily. as I can. As much as I can trust a serial predator, but. Um, if yeah, it's I guess there's no, there's no more discount from him being suspended because he'll be back in like two three weeks. But um, when you're looking at age, it plays a little bit of a factor, even though Watson. Yeah, I mean he's uh, like 27 Watson's years old. About 27. Yeah, it's a little bit. Um, I'm not accounting for age. I'm I'm worried. I'm just wondering if like how you guys trust that is close though. You guys have a lot of trust for a guy who's missed significant time, has had significant issues off the field, and it's like I. Man, I don't, I'm not. I'm not very trusting with that. I mean, say what you want about him as a person. I could say a lot of awful things about him as a person, but he can play football well. And that's pretty much the only reason he's still in the NFL is because he can play really well. Like before all this happened, he was a perennially top five quarterback. Yeah, but tw- in 2020, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too. Uh, here's the thing: the risk, the odds that that Deshaun Watson comes back. And is an elite talent. I feel has better odds than Justin Fields being a long-term elite fantasy player. Like it, I'm not saying that Justin Fields won't be, but I have more faith mm-hmm. in Deshaun Watson being better than Justin Fields long-term. So I'd take Justin Watson. Or I'd take Justin Watson. That'd be great. I'd take Deshaun Watson. De- Deshaun Fields. Deshaun uh, Fields at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I like. There's a lot of variables with Deshaun Watson, and I like. I'm a, well. I'm there's a variables with Justin Fields too. There, there are, yeah. but like Deshaun, like Deshaun Watson, like how is he in football shape? I haven't seen anything on this guy yeah. in lo- a long time. He's fine. I just He's generally fine. assume that football players are going to be in football shape. They typically are. He's going to get injured within like three weeks of com- coming back. Mark my words. He's got hundreds of millions of reasons to be fine. Yeah, but like if he's injured, he still gets lots of those millions. Right. And it's all guaranteed. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I have no issue banking on Deshaun Watson because I'm less concerned with the off the field of Deshaun Watson than I am with the on the field of Justin Fields, mainly because there's sustainability problems with Justin Fields' rushing right now. So if I can't get this guy bit. to throw for 200, basically he's going to be Lamar Jackson Worst case scenario, I guess, at this point, in terms of his rush to to passing points. But the problem with Lamar Jackson, the difference between Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson's passing 
was has always been buoyed by the effect that he's been very efficient with his touchdowns. So his pass attempts yeah. to touchdown ratio are otherworldly, where that's not going to be replicated by Justin Fields. Fields just needs uh, Mark Andrews, that's all. I think he's got one. No, yeah. uh, we don't stand <laughs> Cole Komet. But yeah, a couple touchdowns. So um, I would go Watson here. You guys are on Fields. That's totally fine. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray or Justin Fields? Uh, Kyler. Kyler. Uh, I don't feel it. I don't feel good about saying Kyler though. I, I'm going to say Kyler, but I'll feel great about it. I'm taking. I feel good I'm about taking it. Justin Fields. Give me, yeah, give me Kyler. I'm comfortable. Like Kyler. I'm comfortable with Fields over Kyler, but I, I I'm forcing myself to say. I'm, oh man. I'm like. What the heck, guys? It's like eating broccoli when you're a kid. You kind of force it down because you know it's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like it. We love Kyler. We love no, Kyler. Kyler is broccoli. Like, you know, I don't like Kyler. He got at the all. contract. He's a former first overall pick. You know, he's been a good passer throughout his entire career. And, it's, you know, and it's, it's been Kyler, a little bumpy yeah. to start this season. His head coach is also a generational terrorist of an offensive play caller. Uh, you know, he's a good, he's a good player. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, you know, he also gives you a lot for, in the Russian hey, game. Fair warning, it is war zone week. Okay. Just letting you know. So if Kyler's performance starts to dip, direct correlation. I don't, I don't think it can dip anymore. We're pretty much seeing Kyler Murray's floor. Well, he's, so a, he's, far, a, passing he's a QB8, wise, right? Yeah. So he's having, he, so far, like passing efficiency wise, and I think also fantasy points wise, he's having his worst season since his rookie season. I absolutely expect that to turn around just because we've seen him be better throughout his entire career if not this year then i will absolutely bet on it happening next year yeah i think we've hit our peak on on justin fields but joe burrow or justin fields uh burrow burrow and i saw a poll today of justin herbert versus justin fields and oh my god it was like still like 67 for herbert but out of curiosity for you guys is it is herbert or burrow your pick right now uh, I mean, it's Herbert still, but man, like there's definitely cause for concern there. Burrow. So you're Burrow, you're Herbert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the so. swings I'm, that I'm these Burrow. two guys have had. It's it's splitting hair though, because I'm Justin Burrow. It's splitting hair for me. We're gonna, Justin, well, we like went from, combining. what's yeah. crazy is we went from Joe Burrow being head and shoulders above Justin Herbert to the exact opposite of Justin Herbert being over Joe Burrow consensus nine, nine to one. And now we've gotten to the point where they're pretty close. It's probably 60-40 yeah. at this point. It's Love amazing. Averages. They've been similar efficiency passers throughout their entire career. And then Yeah, but the, uh, I'm just more I'm just Burrow's more referencing Burroughs rush a lot more than his uh than last year. Just more referencing like after their before Burrow got hurt, it was nine to even at, even though Justin Herbert was balling, it, Herbert or Burrow was like nine to one. Yeah. Over um over Herbert, and then it's just kind of shifted, and then now it's. I was talking about why I was picking. Yeah, why I was picking gotcha. Burrow because oh, gotcha. they've been similar level of passers, and then Burrow's rushed more um, this year, coming off of his like another year removed from his ACL injury, and then he just also has way better weapons. Yeah, and so it's a lot more conducive to a passing game. Yeah, and also rest of the season, uh, Burrow's not hurt, whereas Herbert is, and it's. I agree. I'll take Justin Burbert. All right, and the last guy up for Spike Week, Dynasty Spike Week, is a guy who was a top 10 wide receiver this last week. He, was, he had the third most targets on his team this last week in a, in a Pat Mahomes-led offense. And this is kind of shocking because, Izzy, I believe that we talked about this during the trade pod that, that hit the cutting room floor that never was published. 
Um, you were a little bit pessimistic about Kadarius Tony having a, a an instant splash or a pretty quick impact. So is this a flash for Kadarius Tony? He had uh, 19 fantasy points last week, uh, playing against the Jaguars, I guess. But like, still five targets, four catches, 57 yards, a touchdown, two carries, 33 rushing yards. Pretty solid usage here from Kadarius. Uh, yeah, I, I will say if you saw the touchdown, he was like the third or fourth read on that play. Um, it, it he was supposed to be more of like a decoy as it looked because he, he went on that kind of that end around the fake end around. Um, and then Mahomes, I believe, looked to Kelsey and then he looked, I want to say, he looked left in the end zone and then he had his running back. I don't remember which running back was out of the flat. And then he realized that Tony was wide open on the other side of the field and he just whipped it over to him. He got a touchdown. So that ball nine out of 10 times does not get there. So I get there's some context with that. I just five touches a week or four touches a week is not enough. It's not enough um, for Tony to be worth a first round pick in dynasty. I think that he's worth a second round pick in dynasty. Uh, and I think that's probably where it should end right now. Unless that, usage goes from four to five targets to seven to eight targets. Then we can have a different conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, you are witnessing generational hating right now <laughs> from Izzy Elkafoss. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just being realistic. Generational hating. This man is out here breaking down film. I'm just to hate on Kadarius Tony. I'm just saying. Breaking breaking it down. You know, he's like, yeah, I was right there calling the play and, you know, that ball was actually supposed to go to Tra Travis Kelsey, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, he just whipped it out to Kadarius Tony, made magic happen, hopping on one leg into the end zone. It, I, Last week, he ran less than half of the routes and still had the second most targets on the team. He's a guy whose role is still growing. You know, he, like obviously, I, I bet you talked about this when you were talking about the, or maybe Hurley did, but this is a guy who you can absolutely use uh, in very creative ways in an Andy Reid offense and getting him into space. And then he makes the plays with the ball in his hands. That's what we know Kadarius Tony for. He's always been a guy who has a higher, uh, who has high numbers and yards per hour run and targets per hour run, because he's a guy, when you have him on the field, you want to get him touches. And so you manufacture plays specifically for him. Did you, did you and watch, did you watch the play that he scored on? I'm just asking if you watch the play that he scored, I saw it on red zone. Okay. It was beautiful. So, yeah, so you, you saw the play. So I'm looking at it now. He looks right at he looks right at Juju as the first read. He looks right at Juju as the first read. I'm pretty, yep, Juju. And then he looks to Justin Watson, who's crossing to the back of the end zone. Not there. And then he looks at Kel Kelsey. Actually, no, Kelsey, yeah. So then he looks at Kelsey. So he starts looking out left to either the running back or Juju. Then he scans over for sure to Juju, then Justin Watson, not there. He starts to break the pocket, or at least he's going to tuck it and run, and then realizes that Tony's open by himself on the backside of the play and just easy touchdown. So all I'm saying is when you look at plays like that, it just concerns me that he only got you know, four or five touches or four or five targets, and one of them was nine out of ten times that ball's not getting there. So that's just my only. Well, I mean, that's, he only played. He played less than half their routes. He had 
five targets on 17 routes. That's 29% targets Correct. per route run. Yeah. It's a good metric. It's a small sample, obviously, but it is a, a good sign. And obviously, like I said, it is something where his targets per run is always going to be higher when he's not running full routes because you do manufacture plays for him. And so if you double his routes, you're not going to see double his targets. It doesn't translate one for one like that. But it is something where you can be looking at a player who has a role like a 20% target share in a Patrick Mahomes offense where he is also good with the ball in his hands. Obviously, you have the offense giving you touchdown upside like we saw this week. Yeah. Um, you have big playability because of his uh, ability with like, the ball in his hand and then, I don't know, go down the field sometimes, I guess. He's not really known for that because his dot normally hovers around six. But yeah. he did make that spectacular catch if oh, we're going to get nice. into, a, into a couch analyzing film. But it is something where I don't think anyone's going to value him at a first automatically off one game. There's going to be some reactionary players, but I think he's more going to be valued around an early second rounder. This is more of like the bet that we talked about over the offseason where you have a player uh, like, like Tony, where you have these metrics that show that they're getting the ball into his hands. It's a smaller sample because of the injuries in New York. And then it's a smaller sample because he's still getting involved in the offense in Kansas City. Um, and then you obviously, like everyone loves the upside of the player because when he actually gets the ball, he's fantastic. And so uh, it's something where you're looking, I think, one, you're looking at a very safe floor in terms of dynasty value for the rest of the season because people love the offense and they love the ability when he gets the ball. And so when he has spike weeks like this, and he will have spike weeks because of the offense and the usage. When he has spike weeks like this, it's just going to continue to feel his value to the point where even if he isn't a consistent contributor week to week, he is going to be a player that people are going to be excited for going into next season. Yeah. And so you're not going to be looking at the floor falling out of his value. So I don't think I'm going to be looking to sell him right now if I have him. I, I agree. I mean, here's a, I do agree with your statement that if if we increase his production or his his um his snaps and, and routes run, it won't be a one to one increase to his touches. But I do feel like yeah, playing half the snaps right now, even if he gets to seventy if he consistently gets to eighty percent of the snaps, yeah, then then he's for sure gonna be a startable player every week and a good starter at that, a first round pick. I don't know if they're going to do that though. Like that's that's my big concern is are they going to use him that way? I, I think so. I think it's going to continue to grow. Because the, the Giants didn't. Like, the Giants kept him around that 50 when he was healthy. He kept him around that 50 to 60 range most of the season. He was never really healthy, though. When when was it? Last year you're talking La- about? No, yeah, last, last year. year. Yeah, last year. Injury after injury last year. But, I mean. I could break down the week-by-week basis and, like, look at where he was on, like, the reports of the injury reports and, like, what happened in-game. But it is very safe to say that, by and large, a lot of his snaps, uh, snap shares were the direct result of the injuries that he had. Yeah. And I so mean, I don't think it's exactly fair to say that they're going to keep him around there. They, they definitely could. You know, this is definitely something where it's very possible that it's just a very gadgety role. But I think when you're looking at the, uh, the potential, the, I would definitely swing for a, for a higher ceiling because you have the potential for... And this is going to sound very, very off-season and very corny. But when you have a player like this, you can be looking at a potential role like a, a Devo Samuel where you have the higher 
where you have a, almost all the routes and then you're just continually manufacturing touches because of the way that you want to have you want to have an explosive offense so you want to get the ball into your playmaker's hands and Kadarius Tony is a playmaker and when you, when you have guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling running the most routes on the team and only earning four targets Justin Watson had 29 routes and one target Juju Smith-Schuster left early but he'll always be a guy who's getting like a 20% target share and then other than that, you know, Miko Hardman, nothing in his career. Sky Moore, loved him as a prospect, but so far it's been a lot of nothing in his rookie season. And so you're looking at a player who can definitely carve out a good role for, for himself in terms of route percentage, where he can get up to a mark where you're going to be able to start him week to week. And so I, I would definitely continue to ride the wave on Kadarius Tony, take that swing for the fences. So what I would do is is I'm okay with it for the right price, right? So I don't want to pay first round capital right now. I'm not saying that I don't think you I'm need not to, saying yeah. that that's I think you may need to. I think there's a very decent chance that he is worth a first round pick in a few in a few weeks and I could tell you, okay, yeah, he's definitely worth that. Still maybe not comfortable paying it. But what I would do is I would pivot to looking at trading a guy that I don't like if, like who's an example of that so let's say looking at a guy like terry mclaurin like i think terry mclaurin's a fine player i just don't like his situation he's aging out for me i would take a terry mclaurin and i would try to get curious Kadarius tony plus if i could get Kadarius yeah. tony and a, a second round pick a 2023 second mm-hmm. early se- i would do that i would take that flip. that's right um so that would be something i'd be trying to target because i don't think terry mclaurin's going to change when you talk about your wins over replacement, I don't. I can't imagine Terry yeah, McLaurin is really a, that he's high. Not a, so he's not a. That's game, a great mentality. He's not. Have, a, yes. He's not a game changer. He's not going to change your dynasty franchise. So he's not going to change your dynasty. But yeah, getting a Kadarius Tony or getting that second round pick that could be something. Absolutely could, um, mm-hmm. if all things fall into place. So I'd much rather take the the two in the bush versus the one in the hand that really isn't doing much. <laughs> so I would look at a yeah. trade like that as kind of a target. Um, same thing with a Sutton. If I could trade Sutton for Kadarius Tony plus something, I would do that. They're pretty much back to back in terms of dynasty value. I think right now, like Sutton and, and Tony. Yeah, but I would do that. Yeah, up. sure. Yeah. Sutton is what? 27, 28. He'll be, he's 27. He'll probably be 28 soon because that's how aging works. Um, but, for a player who's giving you nothing over a placement, who is just a, a fill-in type of player, who is 27, almost 28, absolutely moving him for a Kadarius Tony is something I would like to do just because you take that upside shot. Uh, same goes yeah. for... Um, I'd do the same uh, deal with McLaurin for Mike Evans. I'd do the same thing. Uh, I would try to flip um, a Keenan Allen straight up. I would do that at this point. That's a tough sell. I would do it at this point. Keenan Allen's on basically the wrong side of the age bracket. He's 30, um, dealing with the injuries. He's pretty much redshirting this year. So we talked we talked about we right talked now. about this earlier in the season. And mm-hmm. you weren't on my boat, but I had basically said <laughs> for a guy that's as, as basically as aged as he is, and now he's dealing with a hamstring injury this early, it's not something I want to touch, and it'll be something that probably lingers. And now we're sitting here week, what is this, week 10? Going into week eleven, and he may yeah. not even play week eleven. So he's back at practice. Right is now. he back? 
or like he will be back. Yeah. So, yeah. But he he was back a few weeks ago too, and then he reaggravated yeah. it. So all I'm saying is that this whole the, the Keenan Allen thing does worry me. And then now next year, I think he's 30, so I believe this is age 30 season with Keenan Allen. Um. So once again, Keenan Allen, unlike um, Terry McLaurin, is when he's on the field and healthy, could be a game changer for you for your dynasty team, at least from a you know, next two year perspective. But at this point, the risk reward is worth it for Tony. Like I'd much rather take the Tony and see what I could get, you know, get the mystery box, than get the yeah. next year, year and a half of Keenan Allen's wide receiver one production. Yeah. No, that's that's valid. But I don't think that's uh I think at this point then people already have Tony over Keenan Allen. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, you're probably right there. Who's another, uh, Debo is another one. I would try to get a little bit more, maybe see if I can get it, take advantage of Debo still balloon value. I know it's not as high as it was, but yeah. I wouldn't mind looking at that. Tony plus the first. If I can get a late first or even do like, uh, a Tony. A 24 first. If I have, if I have a, a late second, I would not be opposed to doing Tony in a first for Debo in a late second. If if that's what it took, or or Debo yeah, and a trading for Tony. yeah, or Debo and a and a player to get Tony in the first yeah. Um, so I also like that idea for um like a Mike Williams selling Mike Williams for for Tony plus, uh as well as Amari Cooper. Even though Amari Cooper is definitely one of the better players that we've been naming, just because the production's there right now, uh, and there's no injury, and there's the situation is going to get better with Watson. But I would still look to. Move off them if that's the direction. Yeah, wouldn't you want to wait headed. a couple weeks for Cooper, assuming deadlines yeah, yeah, carry on? Yeah, um, yeah. So th- yeah, there's definitely some him. options there to acquire Tony for a reasonable price, and then get another dart behind him with with a pick. Um, what I will say for Amari, and this is kind of a, a tangent, is that right now on the season, Amari Cooper has. Where is he? There he is. Uh, Amari Cooper has a target share, 25% target share, the highest of his career so far. And in points per game, he ranks 19th with 14.3 points per game. So not exactly a wide receiver one. He isn't. Uh, and so when you're looking at the situation when with Deshaun Watson coming back, and we'll talk about this when he's actually back. I'll talk about it more. You'll look at the target share coming down and the offensive volume going up because that's typically what happens as an offense passes more you spread the ball around more. Yeah. And so the efficiency will go up. The volume maybe goes up a little bit, but you're still going to be looking at Amari Cooper giving you, I think at best, at best it's low wide receiver one production. He's never hit that mark in his career. The best season he he's ever had in his career, I think like wide receiver 14 in points per game. Yeah. And that's um that's like 15, 16 points per game. And so I would absolutely be fine if my team is, and this is, yeah, like you said, a couple of weeks, definitely you can, you can still do this, but he's another candidate for trading away. I, I will say, speaking of Amari Cooper, or at least on his team, mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones is, in my opinion, actually a really good buy at this point. You can make the same case for David Bell. Um, with Deshaun Watson Oof, there, Bell you're looking at, hurts. I know, but I think, I think David Bell over time, I think could be, you give him time, but I think he's talented enough. Uh, and it, it hurts it. I think, and this is going to be 
I, I didn't expect to be out of the two of us to be the one to say this. But at this point, I think Bell is very close. You know, we don't maybe we don't fully close the casket. Like we, we keep the ca- casket and you can't see me because this is just audio. But like you keep your fingers under the lid so it's not all the way shut. Uh, but of course, if you do that, you I do guess run wh- the risk you... of your fingers getting squished. I mean, and so, why are you doing that, though? Because on the season so far, he has a seven percent target share. He's a, okay. Two things. Even though he's running routes like fifty percent of the time right now so far, he has on the season he has point five yards per run. That is an abysmal metric. He's a ro- he's a rookie though. I mean, he's a rookie. He has twelve targets per run despite only running half the route. I get that. It's absolutely awful. And rookies typically do better than this. Rookies, you don't expect them to be producers, but you expect them to be better than this. This is Terrace Marshall level okay. production. He's from Data he's, Bell. He's first a couple things. He's a rookie. He has Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback. So who knows what the connection is going to be with Deshaun Watson. And you have Amari Cooper and uh, who I like, Peoples Jones. I like both of those receivers. So he doesn't have two shitty receivers in front of him, right? It's not like he's got nothing in front of him. And he's still out there 50% of the time. So it's it's not a bad place to be. If you're David Bell or a David Bell owner, the cost of acquisition is super cheap. The the cost when you acquired him was pretty cheap. Anyways, he was like a late second. Um, I am not out on David Bell. He's definitely a strong hold um, or even a buy at this point because there's probably a lot of people that would give him up for. You might be able to get him for a third, to be honest with you. Um, Okay, maybe. Well, then I have no choice to be to shrug and say, I guess that's okay. Yeah, but 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 people's Jones, the, the kind of the focus on people's Jones, though, is. We both agreed Deshaun Watson's better than than Jacoby Brissett by by a long shot. And you look at Peoples yes. Jones; he's had sixty six percent of his games he's finishing as a wide receiver three or better. Nothing great because he's not giving you those boom games. However, he's now had seventy or more receiving yards in five out of the last six games. The only problem is he doesn't have any touchdowns on the season. I think that changes with a guy like Deshaun Probably Watson. Does. You tag on out of these last six games, you tag on a few touchdowns. And we have a completely different perception of Donovan Peoples-Jones. So once again, it's the touchdown variance that really changes people's perceptions of players. He's not going to go kind of like Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is an extremely underrated receiver. Mm -hmm. And it's basically because his fantasy points are not buoyed by touchdowns. But he's actually pretty good. With Peoples-Jones, we're kind of looking at the same thing. So I think this is a very unique buying opportunity of of a player that's getting 80 plus percent of the snaps every single week, close to 90% on average, every single week, he's getting the targets, he's getting the yardage with an inferior quarterback, he's just not getting the touchdowns, and that will come, I feel, as long as all of those things stay, those variables stay in place with the snaps and the targets, the touchdowns will come with a better quarterback. Yeah, right now in the season, he has a 20% target share. As the offense expands and gets better with Watson, like I said with a Mark Cooper, you're going to see that fall a little bit. You know, you could see 18, 19% target share. Maybe it stays around the same just because it is very hard to predict stuff that accurately in football. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at uh, people's Jones, you could see him in a more efficient offense give you the type of role um, that produces a wide receiver three season. Um and with spike weeks, he gets targets down the field. He could honestly, he could be, he could be a wide receiver too. I'm not even kidding you. I think he could be a wide receiver too because the way that Peoples Jones has gotten his targets 
and the way he runs his routes, he's down he's field. down the field. So he's an accurate quarterback away from turning those deep from shots into touchdowns. Gabe Davis, so, yes. yes, but he's here's the thing: he's Gabe Davis with more target share at this point. Is Dave, is Gabe Davis even? He's not at twenty. He's got to be like sixteen, right? Fifteen um, or sixteen percent, Gabe Davis. I sorted my sheet. I wanted to prove a point about David Bell, so I sorted my sheet by yards per out run. And I'll make this point after we do. Gabe Davis on the season has a target share of sixteen yeah, percent. That's what I thought. So, so yes, and, and so I mean, for I sorted my sheet, so I'm gonna make the point go because I I feel like it. Um, on the season, there are 108 wide receivers who have run 100 plus routes. And David Bell ranks ninety fourth among them in yards per run. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm I'm I'll be worried uh, about it. Funny. Yeah, it's I know. Just funny. I'll be worried about it it's when Deshaun Watson's at the helm and he's got another a full year. He's still he's a young rookie. He's twenty one years old. I want a full year under his belt. I want to see how the offense looks next year. I want to see what he looks like with Deshaun Watson. I just look at this as a buying opportunity and not a bearing opportunity. There's a very decent chance he's Brian Edwards. He's Terrace, Mar- yeah. Terrace Marshall, and by the way, Terrace Marshall Probably. with a he's the wide receiver two right now, and he's getting snapped. I would not be shocked if Terrace Marshall is a legitimate receiver next year. He had one catch last week. I, I think w- I would yeah. not be surprised if he was a le- legitimate receiver next year. Some of these re- were were, were sure, quick, it would be pretty funny. We're quick to bury players, but some players take time. Yeah, absolutely, they, they just take time. They just do. But like you bury most of them. You can bury most, most of the time. Them. You end up right. Most yeah. of the time, you end up like Brian Edwards. Yeah. David Bell is almost certainly a face planter from his rookie ADP, and that's not a great sign for his Correct. future. Uh, it's not been good so far. So you know, I liked him as a, I liked him as a prospect, uh, and he was good. Like I was like, yeah, he's got good production. As long as he doesn't fall to day three, I'll be in on him. And then he was drafted like three picks before the fourth round, and I'm like, yeah, that's technically day three. I'm all in, baby. Let's get it. Yeah. But I think there's a very real possibility that it's like, okay, well, Occam's razor is that, okay, this guy fell in the draft. He almost fell to day three. I mean, pretty much, yeah. pretty much day three. If you're pick, what, 100, pick 99? I don't think it's fair to, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's unfair to be like, okay, well, this was a very, this is a, this outcome makes a lot of sense for him. And so, okay, I guess he's dead in Dynasty now. But a third rounder, I, I guess I can't say don't do that. Um, the best I can say is that um, the better chance of contributing usable weeks to your team is going to be a dart throw like a third rounder or a running back that you can plug in. That's just my mentality, though. If you're rebuilding, if you're rebuilding, why wouldn't you do like a Deontay Foreman for a David Bell or even a Deontay Foreman for De- Donovan Peoples-Jones? Either one of those two, I think, gets it done. If you're shipping, I'd rather have DPJ. Sure, but if you're shipping Foreman, if, you're, if you haven't shipped him and you haven't shipped them already, that would be the target that would be going. Yeah, after, that's fine, right? Those those receivers on a team that's going to get an enhanced quarterback play. Um, yeah. Are you? Did you celebrate uh, Nico Collins's ten targets, one touchdown week, or did you not do that? He had a touchdown. I'm so proud of him. Mm-hmm, that's great. Mm-hmm. A little tutty, and the ten targets, Nico Collins. Smash I think it! That's a career high for him. Yeah, we gotta love it. God, you gotta love it. Is he, um, he's probably up to like a thirteen percent target share on the season now. I'm very happy for you. Um, this is your week. I don't know. I don't know what he's at, but it's got to be pretty decent. It's got to be sixteen point seven. Look at that. Nice. We're climbing. And he went out that's, early against Las Vegas, so that's gotta that's gotta have some sort of weighting. Seventeen. Yep. If he's he's at seventeen. Yeah, I like it. Hey, 
the arrows pointing up. In a, in a functional in a functional offense, he's basically Gabe Davis. You know. Oh, dude! If they would have traded Brandon Cooks, oh my God, Nico Collins to the moon. Well, let's not pretend that the vacated targets he would have soaked him up. You would have. You would have got to go. The offense is as bad as it is. Yeah. You take out Brandon Cooks, the offense just crumbles, and then you're looking at. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know what to say. At least Carolina has DJ Moore. Hey, let, let's ask you this again. Would you have a, a third or Nico Collins at this point? A third. Okay. All right. We'll try again next week. All right. We're not getting. We're not, if you're listening, you, you're just listening to this. But he had a smirk on his face. He was ready to dunk on me. But uh, no, absolutely not. I'm taking the okay. third. I'm taking that dart throw. Nico Collins. We don't stand. Him. Okay. Um. We won't do the dives this week because we went long in the spikes. But um. Mm-hmm. And we lost Hurley because he had to run. So we will be back. Yeah. Hopefully, same time next week. We've had a couple of scheduling issues, but hopefully, we'll do it again next week. Uh, at YZR underscore fantasy for Mr. Akash and at underscore or DTC underscore Izzy E for me and FF Hercules for our man Hurley. We'll catch you next week. Later. Later.